So glad that you've joined us to worship our Lord together. We just finished up um, last week a series on the essentials of the church, and we looked at the importance of knowing God, of growing in our relationship with Him, of going and telling others about Him, and also um, self-sacrificially giving of our finances and of ourselves in service. And we talked about the main things of the church, kind of what, what, what are the things that we should be about. We, it, it was a good time for us to sort of refocus and, and, uh, and uh, reprioritize the things that we need to be about, the things that we should uh, focus on as individual Christians, and uh, sort of the main things of the Christian life, keeping the main things the main things. That's what we've been talking about. And I want to continue in that today because too often we don't keep the main things the main things, don't we? We often will let secondary and even tertiary things, like things that are at the bottom that don't really matter, sometimes we allow them uh, to take the primary place in our minds and in our hearts. You know, I, I know this doesn't have never happened here. Uh, I'm not speaking, I'm just speaking in generalities, but Christians in the past have allowed secondary things like style of music to be a big issue in the church, you know, as opposed to the content of, of the music. Or Christians have allowed uh, secondary things like, you know, buildings and budgets and specific ministries or whatever. We spent more time focusing on the secondary things as opposed to the primary things, the main things that God has called us to care about in his word. The essential things that the Bible calls us to, that is loving God, loving our neighbor and making disciples, you know, the, the main things. And it's not to say that those secondary things, they don't matter. Of course they do. They do matter. But I wholeheartedly believe that when we keep the main things the main things, when we focus on the, the primary, the most important things, then all the other things will work themselves out. I believe that when we focus on loving God in, in worship, knowing him, knowing one another, and, and making disciples. I believe that all the other things that we tend to worry about and care about, they will take care of themselves because God will bless us for keeping the primary things primary. So that's what the past five weeks have been about, um, the essentials. And so I thought today it would be fun for us to, to drop in on, on the early church to see these, the, the, the first people that were keeping the main things the main things, the, the first people that we see in Scripture uh, that, that, will, um, that, that will show us what the primary things are that we should be about. Let's drop in on them and, and see what principles that we can, that we can pull out when, when we're committed to knowing God, growing in Him, going and telling others about Him, giving of our finances and our time and ourselves self-sacrificially. What will it look like? Well, that's the picture that we have in Acts 2, 42 through 47. As you've heard and as you've read, that's our text for today. So let's open up there uh, as we go. And it's important for us to note the context of what's going on here. Just previously um, in Acts 2, what has happened is... Um, you know, Jesus has lived his perfect life. He died his sacrificial death and he was risen from the dead, conquering sin, conquering death. And then he ascended to the right hand of the Father and where he is now currently ruling and reigning as king. But then what happens, he, he's told his disciples to go and wait. Um, wait for the Holy Spirit to descend. And then what happens on Pentecost, the Holy Spirit descends and indwells the believers. And then Peter gets up and he preaches the first Christian sermon. 
The first sermon that proclaims Jesus is the Messiah, the anointed one, the son of God who was crucified, buried, rose from the dead and ascended in glory. Peter proclaims that to the people and then 3,000 souls come and trust in Jesus to save. 3,000 souls is what happened. So that's the context of what's going on here. And then, uh, you know, the people respond, what, what shall we do? And Peter says, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, much like we've seen acted out here today. That's what happens 3,000 times over all at once, okay? So there's the context of what's going on. And then Luke, who, who writes Acts, gives us then this snapshot of, of what the early church looked like after these people have, have come to uh, trust in Jesus. 3,000 souls. The, the church was born, if you will. Or this is the first church plant ever. right? The first church to start. Here's what it looked like and here's what it was. The first church plant. And the more that I've thought about sort of our current situation that, that our church finds ourselves in. After all of this, um, a year now of COVID um, sort of wreaking havoc in all the different ways that it has, we, we've been in this now a year where we've seen people, um, you know, I, I really do believe that this has been a, an opportunity to, to reveal people's um, faith, what they believe about the church and how important it is, you know. Th- this has been the opportunity uh, where if people needed an excuse to, to, to leave, to, to do something else or to not come to church anymore, they've certainly had it, right? Um, and, and that's where we, we find ourselves now, not to mention the pastoral transition. If you're new here, I've only been here a few months. Um, and, and so we've, we've been through sort of these ups and downs over the past year, these difficulties. And, and I really do think more so than ever, we find ourselves really in a, in a position like this, where we're, it's sort of like we're starting over, right? It's sort of like we're a church plant where we're, it's, the, it's ground level and we, we are a people that have said, yes, Jesus is the Lord and, and we want to keep the main things, the main things we want to focus on him. What does that look like? And so I want to bring that to bear on, on us today and, and look at what the early church does and, and what it looks like for us as a church as well to, to take these things and, and to really move forward and what it looks like to be sort of a, a fresh, a, a new church filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what I want for us and that's where we pick up in our text. These people, they just believed in Jesus, they received the Holy Spirit and then here's what we see and here's the point of the sermon. God's people respond to salvation by loving his word, loving his people and overflowing with evangelism. This is what we see, that God's people respond to salvation by loving his word, loving his people, and overflowing with evangelism. So in response to what Jesus has done to save us through his life, his death, his resurrection, upon believing in that, repenting of our sin, being baptized, this is what the church is about. It says that they are a church devoted. They are a church devoted. Look at verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, to the breaking of the bread, and the prayers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Could you imagine, like, let's just try and imagine what this would have been like on on that day when 3,000 people came to trust in Jesus for salvation. 
And they're devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. All of a sudden, Jesus has chosen these 12 apostles to to be the ones that that will be witnesses of his resurrection, that will go and share um, all of of what he has done. And then all of a sudden, um, after this 40-day stretch of Jesus being with them, the Holy Spirit comes, and the 12 apostles have 3,000 people to teach. Can you imagine? They're like, yeah, yeah. and, and then he healed this man that was born blind. And, and then um, he told us that he was going to die. And we didn't understand it at the time, but now we do. And um, I mean, can you, he told us that the scriptures were all about him. And at the time we didn't understand, but now we do. You know, all of this, like these, can you imagine what the apostles were like? Oh my gosh, we have so much to share. <laughs> we have so much to talk about. We have so much to tell about all that Jesus has said and done and how he lived. There had to be so much excitement about, you know, the stories about Jesus they were telling. I, don't know, I, th- I think it's fun to imagine what that would have been like um, and what an amazing time it, it would have been. But now, when it comes to us today, uh, pop quiz, do we have the apostles' teaching to be devoted to? Yeah, we do. We, we have the apostles' teaching inspired by the Holy Spirit in our New Testaments, in our Bibles. And we have their use of the Old Testament, where they affirm that the Old Testament is Scripture. And so what we have in our Bibles, um, known as the Scripture or known as God's Word, what we have is the inspired Word of God that God himself wanted us to have. Okay, it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. We, we have the apostles' teaching from the inspired biographies of Jesus, known as the Gospels, from the letters that were written from the apostles of Peter and John and James and, and, and the rest uh, of the apostles. We have their teaching in the New Testament now for us to be devoted to. So the first thing we see that in response to salvation, the church, the early church, and you and I today, we should be devoted to the word of God, devoted to it, devoted to it. And devotion is a strong word. To fill out the, the definition here, some other things that it can mean. Devotion, it means um, to stick with it or to keep at it or to attend constantly, to persist, to persevere, to spend much time in. All of this is what devotion means. Devotion. Devotion is not necessarily easy. You know, if you're in school right now, or if you remember what it's like to study, you will remember that it's not easy necessarily to devote time to your studies, to be devoted to your studies. The same way if you're married, it's not always easy to be devoted to your spouse. Sometimes you really have to stick with it. Sometimes you really have to persevere. Sometimes you really have to spend much time in for you to really be devoted. And that's what um, this word devotion is getting at. It's a decision to, to stick with it each day, to continue in it, to persist in it. The same is true um, for us today with these things that the early church was devoted to. We should be devoted to them as well. First, being devoted to and loving the word. Again, it's not necessarily easy to do. It takes work to read and to spend time thinking and praying and meditating on God's word. It's not necessarily easy, but it's something that um, if you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, I know you will want to because that's what the Holy Spirit does, gives us the new desires to, to know God through his word. And so we are called to be devoted to it, to stick with it. 
A people who has been saved by God, they love his word and they're devoted to it. And I want that to be true of us. One commentator said, where the spirit reigns, a love for God's word reigns. So if we are a people indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God, if we've trusted in Jesus alone to save, that means we have the Holy Spirit. And if the Spirit is reigning amongst us, there will be a love and a devotion to God's word. May we be a people who loves it and is devoted to it, that reads it, studies it, meditates on it, hears it preached, and shares it. God's people respond to salvation by a love for his word. And next, God's people respond to salvation by loving his people. By loving his people. And you know who his people are, right? You know who God's people are, right? Anybody who has trusted in Jesus alone to save. And even more specifically for us, anybody who has covenanted to be a a member here, who has joined here, we are God's people. And we see that the early church is devoted to and loves God's people. You see verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And then we see they devoted themselves to the fellowship. The fellowship, this word, um, you may have heard it before. You know, it's really trendy to use like the Greek word for names to like name churches. And this word is koinonia. Have you heard that before? That's the word for fellowship. You know, it's, it's cool. There's probably, you know, somebody in here has a ta- tattoo with koinonia on it probably. Um, that, that, this, is the, this is that word. They're devoted to the fellowship, the fellowship, right? And, of course, we're Baptists as well. Fellowship traditionally has meant for us a potluck, uh, you know, after church. Fellowship has meant, um, you know, donuts beforehand, right? That's what fellowship has meant. And it does include those things, right? Amen. There There is an aspect of food with our fellowship. But fellowship, like devotion, there's actually more to it. To be devoted to the fellowship, there's actually more to being devoted to fellowship. It means more than that. This fellowship here, it's identified with community and with participation and with sharing, with um, being in it together. That's what fellowship is about. It's, it's more than just eating together. It's life together. That's what fellowship is about. In verses 44 through 46, they show us more of what fellowship is like. We we can see that they all who believed were together. They had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all the people, And then the result, the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. Verses 44 through 46, they really start getting at what these aspects of the fellowship are like. What does it look like to have participation, to be sharing, to have all things in common? What What does that mean? What does that look like? We see that they spent time together. They were sharing their stuff. Not only this, but in verse 45, they were selling their possessions, belonging, and then giving to those as any had need. God's people love one another because that's what happens when God saves us. We love each other. And this is the example of what that might look like. Now, this is not communism, by the way. Uh, This is not the early form of, of communism. This is the people of God freely giving of their own personal possessions because they want to meet the needs of other people of God. Because that's what happens. When the Holy Spirit uh, indwells us, when we trust Jesus to save, our whole lives reorient, we have a new heart, and now we love God's people. We want to take care of God's people. And what this is, is really a fulfillment 
of what Jesus said and what he prayed for. You remember in John 15, he says that um, by this, they, the world, will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And then John 17, in Jesus' prayer, he, he prays that um, his followers would be one, that they would have unity, that they would have the same fellowship. So um, that's what is going on here in Acts 2. It's really a fulfillment of what Jesus wanted for his followers, that they would be devoted to the fellowship, that they would take care of one another, that they would love one another, because Jesus says that's how the world, everybody else out there, That's how they're going to know that you belong to me because of the love you have for one another. So um, how are we doing in this area, us, today? You and I in these seats, in the chairs, gathered together. How are we doing in this area? Do we love each other in this manner? Does the world know that we belong to Jesus by the way that we love one another in this room? Um. Don't miss here, I'm not saying we need to start some like, you know, commune or something. That's not what I'm, what I'm saying. But the principle from the text here is that when God saves us, we love God's people. When God saves us, we love one another. And again, uh, we are to be devoted to the fellowship. And this is not always easy. Remember our definition of devotion. Stick with it. Persist. Persevere. Stick with it. Keep going. Keep, keep at it, you know. So devotion to the fellowship, again, this is something that takes work, something we have to work for. Again, we'll have the desire because the Spirit reigns here, but it's something that we must be um, continually working on and working toward. In the life of the church here, depicted in Acts 2, um, it's not some sort of moment of perfection, right? It's not like we had this moment in Acts 2 and then everything else is downhill after that. That's not what Luke is trying to do. He's trying to give us a a glimpse and and a picture of what it looks like when the Holy Spirit comes and reigns over a people that are devoted to Jesus. He's giving us a picture of what this looks like. And this isn't a moment of perfection because if you look ahead in Acts chapter 5, there's the whole thing with Ananias and Sapphira where they lie to the Holy Spirit and then they die. Um, So we know that there was sin uh, even in the church at this time. So it's not saying that everybody in here is going to be perfect, that we're going to love one another perfectly, that we're going to all know the word of God perfectly, that we're going to uh, be able to you know, say all of the, the prayers correctly. or, or any, It's not saying that anybody in here is perfect, but it is saying that we are to be a people devoted to the fellowship, working um, to, to love one another better day by day. It's a continual process that we are to be in. And this is descriptive. It's descriptive, it's a narrative, it's a story uh, uh, that shows us what happens when God saves a people. They love his word, they love his people. They're devoted to his people. We're devoted to one another. Fellowship, true fellowship costs something. And I think too often we we think that fellowship, just like any other aspect of the Christian life, we think it's going to be easy, like it's something that should just come naturally. But, but this text is telling us that we are to be devoted to the fellowship, something that takes work. And true fellowship costs something. One sermon I, I read on this passage says, the truth is we will have fellowship only when we make it a practice to reach out to others and give something of ourselves. The Christian life is never meant to be lived alone, right? We, we're to be devoted to one another, to the, to the fellowship, to care for one another. 
It's not something where, we, yeah, we can just trust in Jesus to save and we can have me and my Bible and stay home and, you know, just read it and be good. That's not, that's not the way the Christian life is lived. And this text shows us that we need one another. We need to be devoted to the fellowship, loving one another. Devote yourself to the fellowship. Stick to it. Keep at it. Continue looking for ways to love one another, whatever that looks like. It's not an automatic reality. and It takes work. Probably takes some awkward moments of introducing yourself, talking about what's really going on in your lives, right? But that's what this is about. That's what happens when the, when the Spirit reigns. We are devoted to one another in this fellowship. It takes work, but it's empowered by the Holy Spirit. And here's the reality. You're probably not going to get along with every single person in the room, necessarily, right? I'm sure these 3,000 people that are, are, I'm sure that most of them did not know each other when they first trusted in Jesus and started uh, devoting themselves to the fellowship in the same way that not everybody in here knows each other. But they are still to be devoted to the fellowship, to love one another, because that's what God does in our hearts. We're still called to love one another, be devoted to the fellowship. God gives us new priorities. When he saves a people, he, he gives us um, a new lens. He gives us new priorities, new allegiances in Christ. God gives us a new understanding of ourselves and each other. When, when you truly grasp what Jesus has done for you, you realize the, the depth of your own sin. That, that needed um, a perfect savior to die, that you needed God in flesh to die on your behalf because your sin was that heinous before God. Because you, you were that um, separated from God, you needed somebody else to save you, something that you could never do on your own. The more you understand that, the depth and the wickedness of your own soul, how you were a rebel against God before Jesus saved you, when you really start to grasp that, it changes your own view of yourself, but also your view of other people. You know the... You know the, the, the um, cliche saying about the church is that it's not a, um, what do they say, it's not a museum for saints, but a hospital for sinners, or, or you know, what, whatever that saying is, because that's the reality of, all, of who all of us are. We are all sinners in need of a Savior. We're not going to see one another and put one another up on a pedestal because the, um, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. You've heard that? When we, when we come to Jesus, there's, there's nobody uh, that has greater, higher position. And when we view one another on that plane, now we're at the point where fellowship can really start happening. Because I don't, I don't, um, I, I don't owe anybody anything, but because of what Jesus has done, I, I want to give my life away. Again, because that's how Jesus said that we'll, he'll know, the world will know that we belong to him if we love one another. If we're devoted to fellowship, sharing, caring for one another, loving one another. This room is full of sinners that know they are sinners. I pray that's true. I pray that none of us ever get too puffed up and think we're really something where we feel like, uh, you know, other people think we're unapproachable or, or that we don't care for them because we kind of hold our, you know, heads up high and, and really think we're something. No, no, no. The opposite is true. We all know we're nothing <laughs> and therefore we can love one another well. This discussion of uh, loving God's people and fellowship brings up some interesting thoughts and questions. Uh, can this type of love and fellowship that we see here in Acts 2, can it happen um, 
just for this hour and a half that we're gathered together on Sunday morning? I can't help but ask that, that question or that comes up. Um, to some degree it can and it should. And this place should be filled with conversation and prayer and, uh, and talking about life. You know, before uh, we, we come into worship, we should come and, and we should be having these conversations. That, that we should be humming. And afterward, whenever we're, we're leaving, we should be having conversations, praying for one another, talking about what's going on, uh, talking about um, what, what the Lord is doing in our lives before and after the service when we're gathered together. Those things should be true. That is a part of what happens when we gather together. That is an, an aspect of fellowship, yes. You know, th- this place should be um, a place of love and welcoming. You know, if you see somebody, when you come in, if you see somebody that you've never seen before, never met, go introduce yourself. Go, go talk to them. Make them feel welcome. Um, listen, I am an introvert. And when I go to visit a church, I would love, like, in my flesh, okay, this is not in the spirit, in my flesh, I would love if nobody talked to me. I got to just slip in the back, hear the sermon, good word, pastor, and just slip on out of there without anybody knowing any different. But that's not what I actually need. What I actually need when I gather together with the people of God is to be known, uh, to be loved, to be cared for, to be prayed for. And that is all of our needs, right? And so when we gather together, I, I, I want to urge you to make that a reality, to push through the awkward moments, you know, of introductions and whatever. No matter if you've been here years and the, oh, somebody else has been here years, it's like, hey, I'm sorry, I've never, I, I've never, I've never um, you know, figured out your family. Or, you know, whatever, whatever it is, like, like just, just do it. Because that's what God is calling us to. That is like step one of, of being devoted to the fellowship. So yes, it's about Sunday morning, but then the reality is this text, um, and, and for us to really, if the world is going to know that we are his disciples by the way that we love one another, if we're going to be devoted to the fellowship, it inevitably takes us outside of these walls, doesn't it? It has to. And when you covenant to, to join the, the church, when you become a part here, when you become a member here, that is part of, of what you're doing. In some sense, you are responsible for the spiritual well-being of one another. Did you know that? Um, you, you are responsible for one another. You are part of the same body, which we talked about last week. You're responsible for one another. And so this inevitably, again, this drives us to, to be devoted to the fellowship outside of these walls on Sunday morning. And it takes us out to where we are still living devoted to the fellowship outside. Um, and uh, we've created an avenue to make this happen. Of course, it's our life groups. Um, this is sort of the, the natural place where we've created an avenue for this to happen. That would be kind of step one for you if you're not committed to a, a life group. We have five that, that meet throughout the week. I would encourage you to, to join one, to get involved, and to, and to give your life uh, to the, the fellowship in that way. That would be kind of the next step, and that's how we can care for one another and love one another. But again, then it transcends that life group reality as well when we understand that we are to be devoted to the fellowship, that we're responsible for one another. If you need more information, there's info on the walls outside or you can check out the the connection booth on the way out. Because life groups then are really just a floor for fellowship, but they're a start. God's people respond to salvation by loving his people. Lastly, from verses 46 and 47, God's people respond to salvation by overflowing with evangelism. 
by overflowing with evangelism. I see this in verses 46 and 47 again. It says this, day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. When the church is devoted to God's word and they're devoted to each other, his people, the natural overflow is evangelism. And, and, I, and I say it's an overflow because verse 47 depicts the, the growth that they experience. It's almost organic, doesn't it? it? It's like they were doing these things. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to the prayers. They were together day by day. They were doing all of these things. And then what happens? The Lord adds to their number those who are being saved. Okay. Now, we can... Um, we, we have to um, understand and know that they were actually sharing their faith. Because, you know, the Apostle Paul talks about in Romans that, that faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Okay? So that we do have to open our mouths and share the gospel. <laughs> we do have to tell people about what Jesus has done for them to be saved. That's a reality. But the way that this text um, makes it seem as if it's almost a natural overflow, a natural outworking of what's going to happen when the people of God keep the main things, the main things, when we're devoted to the word and devoted to one another, what will happen is there will be a, a spill out, an overflow of our love for one another. We'll go out into our communities, into our neighborhoods, and people will be like, whoa, what's going on here? And we get the opportunity to share about what Jesus has done. And then to bring them into the fold as well. That's, that, is, that is what happens here. That's, that's what is going on. Um, I think the same principle is true. People in our culture today are not going to be attracted to the church by, you know, nice buildings, um, they're not going to be attracted to the church because of a playground for the kids or whatever else that we might think is attractive to people in the community. And those things may very well be a, a nice thing to have. But what is going to be um, truly a draw and attractive for people is if the people uh, love one another self-sacrificially. That's a community that's like, hey, I want to be a part of that. See the way that they love one another? See the way that they care for one another? See the way they pray for one another throughout the week? They're always checking up on each other. People are always, I, I can see them. What are, what are all those cars doing outside your house on, on Tuesday nights? What's, like, what's going on? You know, th this aspect where people are going to be like, okay, there's something different, something going on here with these people. People will want to be a part of a community that practices this radical hospitality that shows a love by self-sacrificially giving of themselves to one another. And I want to be that type of community. And Lord willing, as we continue to walk together, we will become that as the Spirit continues to work and to reign over us as a people. Think about our culture today. Um, I'm not the first one to point this out, but if you, if you went over like in the new neighborhoods over here uh, or anywhere where they're building new homes, what you're going to see, and this is a comment upon our culture as a whole, what you're going to see on these new homes is the part that you see most, the part that sticks out most from the house is what? The garage. 
Think about this. The, these new houses that are being built, the, the thing that sticks out further than anything else is the garage. So you can, you, can, uh, pull, you can have your car in there. You can open it up, pull out, go to work, go do your thing, come back, open up the garage, pull back in, close it in front of you. You don't have to see a soul. <laughs> um, there's, no, you know, there's no front porches. There's probably no sidewalks, right? So our, our, our culture as a whole is more... Um, reclusive. It's more like, I don't, I don't want to be involved. I don't want anybody else involved in my life. My, my own home is sort of my own like refuge and, and I don't want to be involved in the lives of anybody else. I want to go do my thing. I want to come home, right? That, that, that is just the way that our culture is. So what would be more radically different, and that's what following Jesus is, right? It is, a, it is radically opposed to the ways of the culture in most areas, what would be more radically different is that if we turned that upside down and we started practicing the type of radical hospitality and love for one another that we see here in Acts chapter 2. I believe that the same result w- will happen. Is that we'll have favor with all the people. Meaning the people are going to see something about us and like, yes, something different going on here. Um, and then the Lord is going to add to the number day by day those who are being saved. Now, again, it's not a formula, it's not like a copy and paste, but, but I believe that this is how the Lord can and, and will work if we devote ourselves to his word and to the fellowship. If we devote ourselves to the love of one another, that is, I fully, wholeheartedly believe what we will see. We Christians have to fight against um, our culture in, in many different ways. To, to practice this kind of love for one another. It would be easy to just slip in and slip out week in and week out, but we are called to, to look different, to be different, to, to be devoted to the fellowship, to love one another. And we got to do that one step at a time, one awkward conversation at a time, one introduction at a time. That's what we're called to. And again, um, when we have this mindset, when we are devoted to God's word and we're devoted to loving one another, Um, the Lord will add to our number. And again, like I said, nobody can be saved apart from hearing the gospel preached by somebody sharing about what Jesus has done to save through his life, death, and resurrection. Nobody can be saved uh, apart from that. Um, So whenever we're devoted in here to his word, to each other, the overflow will be that we tell others and show others with our lives what Jesus has done for us. And we trust God with the results and the outcome, right? The Lord added to their number day by day. The Lord added to their number. Ultimately, um, evangelism is, is under the sovereignty of God. All we can do is, is be faithful to, to proclaim, to share what he has done, and to live out what God has called us to as the people of God. And the result is up to him. And that's beauty. That, that puts me at, at ease and at rest. It's not up to me to save people, to bring people in. It's not up to me to grow the church. It's up to the Lord to work in the hearts of his people like he's done in Acts 2.42 and for God's people to respond to what he has done by loving his word, loving him through his word, loving one another, and then the overflow is going to be salvation for others. This is the way that God has designed it, and this is what we are to be about. We trust God with the results and the outcome. God's people, 
respond to salvation, loving his word, loving his people, and by overflowing with evangelism, may that be true of us. Amen? We're going to respond in worship. The band's going to um, come back up. And uh, like we have been doing, I want to uh, urge you and, and, and call you to respond in any number of, of ways. All of us can respond in worship and singing for what God has done for us in saving us through the person and the work of Jesus. All of us can respond through song in that way. But if you've never trusted in Jesus to save, um, I would uh, urge you to to do that today, (laughs) to trust in Jesus, to put your faith in him, to save you, your faith and trust in him alone. Because like we've said, we are all sinners in need of a savior. That's true for all of us. And so if you've never trusted in Jesus to save, doesn't matter how long you've been here, doesn't matter how long you've been coming to church, maybe you've never trusted in Jesus. Maybe you've never had the spirit indwell you, convict you of your sin to say, yes, I I, want to follow him with the rest of my life. If that's you, I would urge you um, to make that decision today. If you need... um, prayer for anything going on in your life. If you've got, uh, you know, if if you just want to come up and and pray for our church and our people that we would be this type of people, now would be your your opportunity to to respond and uh, and come forward in prayer as well. And lastly, if you want to join the fellowship here, if you want to join our our church, become a member, or if you want to be baptized like um, Elijah today and and make that public commitment that you've never done before, that you're ready to follow Jesus with your whole life, then then you can come forward and and let us know that as well. Um, I know it can be a little scary, but it's not. Just normal people coming up to to pray and and to respond to the word. And as always, anytime the word of God is read, interpreted, applied, preached, we believe that it demands a response. At least we can respond in worship and singing for what he has done for us. And if you need to, to make a decision or, or if you need any sort of prayer, I would urge you as we stand together now that you would come forward and pray um, with, with one of our prayer partners. So would you stand with me and, uh, and, and let me pray for us. We hope you are encouraged and challenged by what you heard today. If you'd like more information about Champion Forest Baptist Church, our service times, or how you can get connected, visit us at championforest.org. Thanks so much. Have a great day and God bless.